Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Potential, that's what we're talking about tonight, folks. We're talking about the mystery of potential. You know that each one of us have the potential to be all that God says we can be. But you know, potential doesn't always get realized, doesn't always come to us because sometimes we just sit around waiting for something to happen. We want it to happen, but there's a process and God wants us involved. I've got five kids and uh, I was there for each one of their births. Very exciting moments in my life, probably five of the highlights of my entire life seeing my children come into the world, not knowing whether they would be a boy or a girl because we chose that path. And it was exciting because there was this potential for a boy or a girl. There was potential for health. There was potential for all the fingers, arms and legs to all be intact. There was potential for a beautiful little baby to arrive and to be all that we hoped it would be, but we didn't know until that day arrived. We went through the process of the waiting, waiting nine months until each one of our children arrived. We didn't have a name. We had a selection of names because we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl. It's probably not a good idea these days to call a girl Daniel, although it's becoming more common (laughs) for some reasons that I won't go into. But we have this amazing experience watching children come into the world and then growing up. I didn't know that my eldest daughter would grow up to be a midwife, that she would marry a guy in the army. I didn't know that my second daughter would grow up to want to be a teacher and lead worship in a local church. I didn't know that my eldest son would grow up to be a sports freak. do WWE, to do MMA, to do arm wrestling on national television, to save up and to pay for his mum and all his kids to go to Europe on a holiday, which he did. And two days ago, he handed out the tickets at his mum's 50th. It was a moment in our family's life. Now, I'm not a part of that immediate family. But as I watch my kids growing up with all the potential that they had when they were young and watching them grow up and to grow up to love the Lord and to grow up to want to serve God. Some of them are going through some tough times. Some of them have been in some dark places. But each one of them, as they were born, had potential. And they still have much potential. And each one of us here has an amazing potential to be and to do greater things than we, A, could ever think or ask, and B, than we are currently doing. God wants to take us up to a higher place. You know, when you, when you have a seed in your hand, And if anyone here ever planted a tree, has anyone ever planted a tree before? Yeah? Have you ever watched it grow? You ever watched that tree grow? Has anyone watched a tree grow from a seed to full grown? Ever seen that happen? Isn't that amazing? You know, you you put that tiny little seed in the ground, you water it, and, and, and eventually up comes this shoot, life. And then you watch it grow. You know when you go down to the park in town where the big, the really big trees are? I think they're fig trees. They're like massive, big trees. They've been there probably a hundred years now. Once upon a time, they're a tiny little seed. And now they're massive and the birds come and they rest in them. 
and all that from that little seed. But you know what would happen if you never put that seed in the ground? It would never grow. And what would happen if you pulled it out when, when it was only little because it wasn't big yet? It would never get big, would it? And there's a thing that God's calling each one of us to, and that's to a place where we know that we've got a seed. We know that we've got something. What have we got to do? We've got to put it in the ground. We've got to put it in the soil. We've got to put it in the dark place. We've got to release it from our grasp. And then we've got to wait. We've got to watch. We've got to do whatever needs to be done. There's a couple of scriptures which I want to read out which I think will help us get into this message on the mystery of potential. There's one from Ecclesiastes 11 and Solomon. He was a wise guy, wasn't he? Hey? A wise guy. Hey? <laughs> he was a wise man. And he talked about potential like this. He says, you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb. Now, back then, of course, they didn't have meteorology systems. They didn't have the guy on the weather going, now, if you watch this, it's coming in over here, you know. So back then, he's saying what was their truth. You do not know the path of the wind. You do not know how the body is, the body is formed in the mother's womb. So you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So, sow your seed in the... In the morning, and at the evening, let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, the seed or the work of your hands. Whether this or that, or whether they both will equally thrive, or equally do well. What Solomon is saying is, the mystery of potential is that you have this seed. You put it in the ground, but you don't know. You don't know if it's going to grow. You don't know if it's going to grow up and produce something. You don't know. You just put it in in hope, in faith, in belief. Now, the farmer, they, maybe they don't have faith. They just have this knowledge that that's the, what you've got to do. If you've got a seed, you've got to put it in the ground, and then you've got to wait, and you've got to watch it grow. But here, Solomon says, wisdom would say you don't know if you're going to get a harvest from that seed. There's a potential there. But it's a mystery. Will it produce? So what do you do when you get home at night after you've sown your seed? Do not let your hands be idle. In other words, keep doing something with what you've got. Maybe they'll both succeed. And it's just this interesting scenario that he's talking about when it comes to potential. I believe that God wants us to know tonight that each one of us has amazing potential. And we're all unique and we're all different. You might think, well, I'm called to do this or I'm called to do that or I'm good at this or I'm good at that. Maybe you don't think much about what you're good at. Maybe you're just plodding along, doing your thing, doing life. Maybe your family experience is all you know. And so you're out doing whatever your family has ever done or whatever your father has ever done or whatever your mother ever did. And that's maybe that's all you know. But God can change all of that in a moment. There's a story, I love it, and this is the second scripture I want to read. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. And it's a story about this guy named Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet, and he was back in the day, he was kind of like a rock star prophet. I mean, he was the guy. Everybody knew who he was. If you know a, a rock star today, because everybody knows them. Everybody knew who Elijah was. He was the guy who, he could raise the dead, right? Literally, he had miracles of raising the dead. He had miracles of multiplying food. He had miracles of stopping the rain and bringing down fire and all sorts of things that God would do. And then there's another guy, and his name's Elisha. And Elisha's a farmer, and he's doing what he's always done, and he's doing what his family has always done. He's out in the field, and he's, as he's out in the field, he's got all these oxen, and he's plowing the field, and he's getting ready to sow, just like he's always done. And then along comes Elijah, 
and Elijah's walking past and he's got his coat over his shoulder and he walks past Elisha and Elisha's trying to get these, this plow to line up just so he can dig the hard ground so he can get ready to, for his daddy to sow the seed. And he's got there and he's got the oxen going and he's going at it and he's sweaty and he's got nothing on his mind except doing what he's always done. And then Elijah comes along with his coat and just whacks it on his shoulders and just walks away. And Elisha's like, what the heck? Someone just hit me with their coat. And then he goes, that's that guy, Elijah. Oh, hang on a sec. He's just put his coat on me. Now back then, what that meant, come here for a sec, Luke. All right? So I'm not going to take my shirt off, trust me. Right? But if I put my jacket over him in that day, what that would mean is that I'm giving him the authority that's on my shoulder I'm putting on his shoulder. Right? So, so Elijah is this rock star prophet who's doing everything that God's wanting him to do and he can just go and talk to kings and do all sorts of amazing things. And Elisha's just out there in the field being a farmer and next thing you know, he's got the rock star's coat on. Right? And he's thinking to himself, something's just changed. Right? It's like someone coming and saying to you, you're going to be just like him. All right? That's exactly what it's like. Sit down for a sec. All right, so you've got Elisha. Then he's like watching Elijah walk off in the distance. He's going, whoa, hang on a sec. Um, um, Elijah, excuse me, can I just go and say goodbye to my parents? Because I'm coming. And Elijah turns around and he says, well, what have I done to you? You do whatever you want. In other words, he's saying it wasn't me. I'm just doing what God tells me to do. So immediately, Elisha's journey of discovery and learning starts because Elijah's not saying, well, you do exactly what I tell you to do. He's just saying, it's got nothing to do with me. I'm just doing what God told me to do. God told me, see that guy over there who you've never met in your whole life, that farmer boy? Go and put your coat on him. I don't know who you are. Only God knows. I'm just doing what God told me to do. If you want to follow me, it's up to you. Your deal. And so Elisha goes, all right, I'll do it. So off he goes. He said, but I'm going to go and do what I've got to do. So he goes, and you know what he does next? I think this is amazing. Some of you who are animal protectionists might not like it, but it happened many years ago. And so he gets his plows, breaks them all up, and starts a fire and kills the oxen. Sorry. Blood and guts and all. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Cooks them up and hands out the meat to everybody and says, come on, guys, let's have a feast. I'm off. But what's he actually done? He said goodbye to his old way of life. He hasn't gone, okay, I'm just going to put the ox in the, in the shelter there. I'm going to stow away my plows just in case, just in case this doesn't work out. No, the man of God just put his cloak over me. I'm out of here. Done. I'm following after this guy. So he's done all that and then he's gone off. And it says here, so we're in verses 19 to 20, where Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment, cooked the meat, gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elisha became Elijah's servant. Do you know that History tells us that that probably happened for about 13 or so years, that Elisha became Elijah's servant for the next 13 or so years. So the whole put the cloak on his shoulder bit and everything where he gets all excited. How many people have ever got a prophetic word and got all excited? <laughs> you ever get someone comes in, you know, the, the prophet comes to town and he picks you out and says, you're going to be such and such, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And you're thinking, whoa, you know, I'm going to be a, yeah. I've got the glory on me now. I'm going to go out and start praying for everybody. They're all going to get healed. And Do you know that Elisha didn't get his turn for 13 years? He had to learn 
he had to transition from being a farmer to being a prophet of God. And it took him a while. He had to follow, he had to listen, he had to learn, he had to watch, he had to pay attention, he had to understand. He had probably a whole bunch of character issues that he'd learned from his old man. He had to get them all dealt with. He used to get angry at the ox. He had to get that dealt with because you can't have that when you're a prophet of God because when God says to do something, you can't just get angry and throw a hissy fit. You've got to do whatever God says to do. And so there's this process that takes place from the moment that Elisha gets called to the moment that he's released. You know, the same sort of thing happened to the Apostle Paul. How many people know that Paul was a guy named Saul? So he changed his name, or God changed it for him. But when he was Saul, he was this very learned, very smart dude, right? And he was high up in the political and religious arena of the Jews, not the local government, because they were still overrun by Rome. But within the Jewish society that he was a part of, he was one of the leaders. He was an emerging rabbi who was very learned. He'd sat under some of the highest rabbis in the nation of Israel, and he was so upset with the Christians for going about preaching about Jesus being the Messiah because he didn't believe that the Messiah had come yet, that he went around and decided he was going to kill them, going to kill Christians. This guy's going to kill Christians. He's done with them. All right, so he drags them out of their house and executes them. He ties them up and he takes them off into the Colosseum and hands them over to Rome and they execute them. And they stone them in the courtyards and they do all sorts of horrible things. And he oversaw all this as a leader And he was on his way to Damascus, which is in Syria, modern-day Syria. And he was on there because there was a church there, because it was all he could go anywhere within the Roman Empire, even though he was a Jew. He was kind of he had a bit of authority, so he's on his way to Damascus to get hold of the Christians there and to kill them. And the Christians all over the place were fearing because this guy was out after him. And then he has an encounter with God. Bright light comes down. It's kind of like instead of Elijah coming on and throwing his coat, it's like the Jesus himself just comes and blinds him. And sometimes God will do that. He'll give you an encounter. And it'll be just God encounters you. It might be exactly what you need. And there's people in the world today who have amazing encounters with God himself. Sometimes God will use a man or a woman. Other times he'll do it himself. And in Paul's case, that's what happened. But you know what happened then? 13 years later, he still hasn't started preaching yet. He has this amazing encounter with God, has this words of knowledge thing happen. He has this face-to-face encounter. It's like, yes, he's blind for three days. And then miraculously, this guy turns up at the place he's staying and says, God told me to come over here and pray for you and you'll be healed. And So he did, and suddenly he's healed. So he gets his miraculous healing. That's his encounter with God. He gets blinded by a light. He hears Jesus' voice. gets thrown off his horse. He's blind for three days. He gets a miraculous healing. You'd expect next thing he's going to be, you know, next minute, (laughs) I'm preaching. (laughs) No, he wasn't ready. He didn't know. See, he knew everything about the Old Testament. He just didn't know much about Jesus yet. You can't preach Jesus until you know him. And the, the authority that he was about to walk in, where he would actually write two-thirds of the whole of the New Testament Bible, he had to be ready for it. How many people know that when you're out to kill somebody, there's still the potential that you could turn out to be their best friend? Someone ever done, done you wrong? Someone ever hurt you? Someone has ever done something to you that was so bad that you say, I could never, ever have anything to do with them again? Well, that's what all these Christians thought of Saul. Never will we ever go near this guy, ever. But God got hold of his life, turned it upside down. The next thing, he is 
their apostle. Wow, what a transformation. So from one moment where he's doing something, then God breathes on it. God changes everything in a moment. Next thing, he's walking another direction. You know that you might look at your own life and you might think, well, I'm just doing what I always do. I'm just living my life. I don't have any potential. I don't have what it takes. I can't be like Paul. I can't be like Billy Graham. I can't be like Mother Teresa. I can't be like Cindy Jacobs. I can't, you know, I can't do that. I can't be a preacher. I can't. There may be some practical things that you've got in your life. You're looking at some, some sports person or some musician or some career and you say, oh, I, can't be, I, can't be the, I can't be the owner of a business. I can't be the, you know. And there's a whole lot of I don't believe or I don't think so or I don't, it's never happened to me before, it's never going to happen. There's a whole bunch of reasons why we minimalize our potential. But see, there's a mystery that surrounds potential, and that is that what's in the seed, you'll never know what's in the seed until you sow it. You'll never know what's in the seed until you trust God with the seed. You'll never know what's in the seed until you let it go. And you give it over to process. And you'll never know what's in the seed if you pull out of that process before due time. Friends, I've got to tell you something, that every single one of us here has amazing potential in God to be all that God promises in his word that we could be. There's two types of potential, though, that I'm talking about. There's a God-given potential, and there's a God-breathed potential. A God-given potential is what you have in you the moment you're born. It's in your DNA. It's in, your, in the makeup of who you are. You know that every one of us is different. When I was 12 years old, I did not have the potential to grow up to be a fine young woman. Maybe today it's possible. But back then it wasn't possible, I'm telling you. I'm being a bit silly, but what I'm trying to say is that my potential is to grow up to be a fine man, a man of God. That's my potential. I didn't have the potential to be a woman of God. I was just being silly with that. But the reality is, is by, by explaining to you that you have a potential that's in you that's different to everybody else, right? We're all unique. Every one of my children are different from the others, and they act different, and they react different, and they, I can say one thing to one of my children, and I say the same thing to the next child, and they'll take it completely different. It's because they're wired differently. And so they have their God-given potential, and that potential will be what helps them go into their God-given future. So some are naturally born for getting behind the pulpit and putting a microphone in their hand and preaching the gospel. And then there are others who just wouldn't dream of it. And to be honest, they really didn't, wouldn't want to. But they just love being behind the scenes and doing all sorts of stuff. And that's their, that energizes them. And there's others who love going pastoral caring and knocking on doors and you know, making everybody feel happy and writing them cards and that sort of thing. There's other people who just absentmindedly would never think of it because they're always thinking of the big picture or they're always thinking of something else. And every single one of us is people in this room who would never drive a bus, wouldn't dream of driving a bus, and you put you behind a bus wheel, you'd probably get lost even if you could drive the thing. Because it's not in who you are to do that, whereas I can drive a bus and I love it. That's our God-given potential. But then there's the God-breathed potential. That's where everything changes. The Apostle Paul said, all things are possible for them that are in Christ Jesus. You know that there are some things that are not possible with you in the natural so according to your God-given potential, this is not possible. But if God breathed on it, it's possible. And there's a difference. 
There's your God-given potential, and there's the God-breathed potential. Elisha, he was never going to be a prophet. He was always going to be a farmer. That was his DNA. That's what his family always did. That's what, that's what we do. It's never been done that way before. But then along comes Elijah, and what does happen? God says to Elijah, put your coat on this bloke. Immediately, something shifts and God breathes on him. You ever heard the story of the dry bones in Ezekiel 37? You know this story? It's quite an amazing, fascinating story. It's a vision. And Ezekiel the prophet is taken by God into a valley where a vast army had been slaughtered many moons ago. And the, all that's left in this valley are the dry bones of the army. And they're very dry, it says. And he's walking through these bones, looking at all these soldiers who once lived, but they're dead, dead as doornails. And God says to Ezekiel something really interesting. Can these bones live? Ezekiel's answer was the best answer he could have given. Only you know, Lord. Wow. Only you know. See, that's the mystery of potential. In the natural, in their God-given potential, their life is done. They've lived their life. They're dead. They're gone. These bones have had their time. These people will not come back to life. But if God breathes on them, anything's possible. And Ezekiel knew that. So he said, well, he wasn't going to say, yes, Lord, they could live. Or, no, Lord, they can't live. Only you know, Lord, whether these guys could live. And then God says, good answer. Now prophesy to the dry bones. So he prophesies to the dry bones. And this is, can I just tell you, when I saw that skin grow over that lady's open wound, I thought of this moment and I thought this is, I've just seen a tiny little percentage of what Ezekiel saw in a vision, whereas I saw it in real life. Ezekiel in the vision, he saw the bones all come together. Can you imagine someone actually doing like a, a Hollywood movie where this all happened? I reckon that'd be amazing. That'd be good, wouldn't it? So, you know, click, 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 click. You know, all the bones and suddenly all the sinews and muscles and they're, you know, so they're growing and, and then you're watching and the muscles and the blood, you know, and the legs coming out, whoa. But there's no whoa because they're still dead, right? It's just, it's like... Ezekiel's woeing, all right? He's like, whoa, you know. And he's just watching all this happen. And the next thing you know, there's a whole army of people, flesh and bone and blood, lying on the ground. But they're still dead. What does God say next? Now prophesy to the breath, the ruach, the breath of God. Call the breath of God into their body. And so what does Ezekiel do? He prophesies to the breath of the north, south, and east, and the west that the breath of God would come into these bodies and suddenly, and they stand up a mighty army. Now, when God breathes on something, anything is possible. You might be in a situation where you think, no, nah, my, my, my dream is dead. My vision is dead. I've done too many wrong things. I've messed up. I could never be who God says I could be. I could never, you know. And it'll be just the enemy in your ear saying, oh, you'll never make it. You're never good enough. You, you messed up. You, you, you're never going to amount to anything. And it was exactly what the enemy would have said to King David when he slept with one of his sergeant-in-arms wives and then when he got real worried about it because he got her pregnant. He went out and killed this guy, had him put on the battlefield. So he, not only did he commit adultery, get the girl pregnant, but he went and killed the husband. And he's the king of all of Israel. And he's supposed to be a man after God's own heart. And he's done the wrong thing. And he could have just sat there and said, okay, well, I'm done. I'm done. 
I can never do this again. I can never be a king again. I, I've messed up. I've walked away from God. I've done all the things that I could never. And you know what? That's what the enemy does. He tries to get in our ear and tell us that we can't do it. And I'm here to tell you that God has a different plan for your life. And if you have messed up, if you haven't walked the path right, turn around and God can make you and all your potential come back to life. So the last thing I want to share with you, and I think this is the crux of it all, is the process. So you can put the seed from your hand into the ground, but then you've got to wait for something to happen. And for Elisha, he had to wait 13 years to get ready for what God was going to do. For Paul, he had to wait 13 years to get ready for what God wanted him to do. And there's a process that we each need to go on if we're going to get to our potential. It's just the way it is. God can instantaneously and fast track our process, but for most of us, if God were to fast track the anointing that's on our life, our character would not have caught up with that and we would mess up as quickly as we got up. And so there's a process and this is it. And, and I've, I've used three, three words starting with S, to make it easy if, if you wanted to remember them. The first one is surrender. If you want to be in a process where you're going from potential to product, if you like, or the, the product of your potential, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be surrendered. In other words, you've got to be in a place where God can use you. You've got to have your heart ready for God to do something. You know what Elisha had to do? He had to let go of his past, didn't he? He had to get rid of his oxen. He had to get rid of his... So basically what that's saying to me is you've got to get rid of your old way of thinking. Right? Our old way of thinking is all about how we used to do things. We're not going to do them that way anymore if we're going to step into a new place. So we've got to do that. But in order to do that, we have to surrender. Because how many people know that sometimes we don't want to surrender? We don't want to give up our old ways. We don't want to give up our old life. We don't want to. Because that's so much a part of us. But God says, no, let it go. Be in a constant place of surrender where God can do anything. If he says, I want you to go here, you can go because there's nothing tying you back. You know how hard it is for someone like me who's got kids living in Sydney, play, pays child support, all that sort of stuff, for God to say, move to Newcastle. Wow. And it's only two hours up the road, but that was hard. Imagine if you said move to the U United States of America or move to Russia or something like that. Oy, oy, oy. But if he said it, I'd have to go through the process of surrender in order to step into what he's calling me to, yeah? Surrender, having your heart in the right place, being ready for God to use you is the first thing. The second thing, and it's all about letting go of the seed because that's surrender also, but you've got to sow. You've got a seed in your hand. You've got to put it in the ground. In other words, you've got to put the seed to work. If God's given you something, Maybe it's just a tiny little thing, tiny little seed of faith to believe for something. You've got to get to work on it, you know? You want to be like some of the young guys I've been talking to, they want to be like Todd White, the next Todd White. I want to be the next Todd White, some of these young boys say. I want to, I want to go out and I want to heal the sick on the streets and I want to evangelize. I want to step out and preach in front of thousands of people. Well, start preaching to twos and threes. Start doing something now with what you've got, with the seed that you've already got. You know, I talk to these guys about cleaning up their language a little bit because how many people know that if you get into the pulpit to start preaching and you drop the F-bomb, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. You might have to repent a little bit in front of everybody and it won't be flash. <laughs> you know, if we want to follow Jesus... Let's work on some stuff in our life because there's a process, yeah? So we sow what we have. 
Imagine you've got a relationship that you want to deal with. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you want a relationship to be good. It might be that you're dreaming of having an amazing partner for the rest of your life. Maybe it's that you're dreaming of having your family around you. But what if in the past you've sown really bad seed? What if you've got a history of sowing bad seed? Well, what do you have to do? You've got to start sowing good seed. What does good seed look like in relationships? Love, acceptance, forgiveness, knocking on someone's door, ringing them up. Hey, how you doing? You okay? I love you. You know, when my wife and I, my first wife and I broke up, my eldest son, who was a real mummy's boy, I love him to pieces, but he is. And I don't mean it in a bad way. He's the guy who paid, saved up and paid for his mum and all the kids, all, all five kids plus their grandmother, to go to Europe on a holiday, right? He's, he's 24 years of age, right? and he's paid for all of them to go to Europe on a holiday out of his own pocket, right? That shows you the commitment he has particularly to his mum. So when I stepped out of the picture, he was angry at me. Now, if I want that relationship to be restored, what do I have to do? I have to sow good seed, don't I? If I sow seed which looks like this, well, if you're going to be angry at me, I'll be angry at you. I haven't done anything wrong. You know? If I stand my ground and I let pride take over, you know what's going to happen? I'm sowing bad seed. That relationship would never be restored. Fortunately, Sheik kept on encouraging me just to hang in there, hang in there, just keep loving him, hang in there. And I kept ringing took a long time. Sheikh was my best friend. I didn't, you know, I just had to listen to some people around me. What are you going to do? Say the right thing. Say, the, say what you've got to say. Make the phone call. I kept on doing it. I kept on ringing. Hey, son, you okay? Texting him. Son, I love you. It's okay. I know your mum and I haven't been together for a while, but you know, I still love you, still care, still want to be in your life. Kept on doing it. And eventually, one day, something snapped. And he just said, it was just one line, he said, it's okay. And then from that moment on, every time I tried to connect with him, he responded. And now we're like best buddies again, which is awesome, you know. But it took a while before that shifted. But I had to sow good seed into that relationship for it to come back to life again. So you've got to sow if you want to see potential realized, whether it be relationship, whether it be your workplace. Whether, you know, if you want to be a boss, you want to be owner of a company, you've got to go through the process of getting there. You've got to do the training if you want to step into God's potential for you. So there might be your God-given potential, but what about the God-breathed potential? Well, you've got to surrender, and then you've still got to sow, because what if God did come and have Elijah throw, what if there was a prophet that came and said, you're going to be a prophet, you're going to be an apostle, you're going to, you know, and maybe said something supernatural, amazing over your life. There's still the process you have to go through to get there. Paul had to, Elisha had to, and so do we. And then the third thing is we've got to stay. Stay put, stay in the ground. Put the seed in the ground and, and it takes a long time for it to bud. And then finally it buds, but you think, no, that doesn't look like a big tree. That doesn't look like it's going to produce any fruit. Let's just go over here. Let's try another one. Sometimes we pull that seed out and we run. You know how many times people get itchy feet in either relationship, even in a church, at work, whatever it might be. And usually it's when the going is tough, when we don't like it. Maybe some things are against you. Maybe some people have spoken out, said something, done something. Maybe the, the person who you're supposed to be married to is no longer interested anymore or doesn't look the same as they did when they were... 22 years of age or 
you know. It's just the fact of reality is that sometimes we wake up one day and we think, oh my goodness, what happened? And you know what? That's when people start to get really weirded out and they go, no, I'm out of here. I'm done with this thing. And they're out the door. They walk out of church. You know what? People never reach their potential if all they do is go from church to church to church to church to church. It doesn't happen. Why? Because there's no process. The process is uprooted before God can do his work. What about the character stuff that has to be dealt with in order for you to stand in the holy place and declare the word of the Lord? I can tell you now that I'm still going through a process and I'm still not where God wants me to be. I am where God wants me to be, but that's not where my potential lies. My potential is greater than what I'm exhibiting right now. But there's process going on. And I can tell you what, when the process gets tough, the easiest thing to do is to run. But if you run, what do you do? You're just uprooting that tree that has a potential. You know how many times I've had someone prophesy over me that you're like a big tree with you know, big branches and lots of birds come to sit in the, you know, and it's like, I've heard this so many times over years, literally years where I've had those prophetic words. And it's almost exactly the same prophetic word every single time. And it hasn't come to fruition yet. It's true, it hasn't. But I can tell you what, I'm starting to learn something that I never knew before. That if I run away, if I run away from the process, when it all gets tough and everybody's looking at me sideways going, eh. and Shecky and I, we, we, we're in a situation now where we've got a fresh start. We've started this ministry in this church. It's 12 months this coming week. 12 months we've been pastors of this church this week. I'm thinking, wow, I kind of flew. And some people go, only 12 months. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we look at where we're at now and where we believe God is calling us to and we align them up and we compare and we go, well, we're not kind of where we're meant to be. Maybe this isn't where we're meant to be. If that's what the process that we, we have in our thought life, we might be tempted to go, it's all too hard. Run. You know what? Every single one of us could do exactly the same thing in any area of our life. Relationships, work life, family, church life. But we all have potential. And the mystery of potential is this, that you don't know what's in that seed. How many people could look at an apple seed and say, I know how many apples this is going to produce? Impossible. How do you get to know how many apples it's going to produce? You put it in the ground. You let it grow. You nurture it. You stay with it. You stay with it through the seedling phase. You stay with it through the sapling stage. You stay with it through the, oh, the bugs are starting to eat the leaves stage where there's still no fruit because it still hasn't got mature enough to start producing fruit. You stay with it through the, pruning, the first pruning stage. You stay with it through the green fruit stage where the fruit isn't ready to eat, but it's starting to produce fruit, but it's not quite the best fruit you've ever tasted yet. And you go right through to the phase where it's starting to produce what it was always meant to produce. And if you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get oranges. You're going to get apples. You know, when, when Luke baked his first cake, had all the ingredients out this week, didn't you, Luke? But there was a process that had to be made in order for that cake to come to fruition, to become a good cake. Imagine if you'd got it back to front and you did everything wrong. So you thought, well, I've got to put all these things in a bowl. I'm going to chuck them in the oven. I'm going to cook them up. And then, oh, I've actually got to add milk. Whoops. Pull it out, add the milk. Put it back in the oven. Well, that's, let's see if it works now. No. See, that's what a lot of people are like. 
they have their potential. God's just spoken into your life and said, this is your potential. This is where I'm going to take you. I'm, you know, someone's come along and put a coat on, their sh- on your shoulder and said, you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a leader, you're going to lead Sunday school, you're going to be a... You're going to be a boss of a business. You're going to be, you're going to be the best mom in the whole world. You know, you're going to be whatever it might be that is your potential. Not just your God-given potential, but your God-breathed potential. And even that needs to have the process God's way. True, eh? If we don't do it God's way, it's not going to work. So the best thing we can do is when we see that God's got us on a journey, when we see something, you know, how many people know that when you see somebody walking out their life and you go, oh, man, I just want to be like them. That could be just God identifying a little bit of your pathway ahead because sometimes we just got to imitate somebody else for a little while. You know, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Sometimes, you know, some people might look at Sheik and how she listens to the Lord. And I've done that in my journey with her, you know, listening to how she connects with God and listens to God's voice, that sort of thing. I I, want to be like that. There's no shame in saying I want to be like that. That could be part of your potential is seeing God at work in somebody else and saying, I want to be like that. It's not about jealousy. It's about saying, if she can do it, I can do it. But you might look at me preaching and say, oh, I never want to preach. But there's someone else might say, I really want to be a preacher. That might be God telling you that's your potential, to be a preacher. Those of you who say, I could never do that, never want to do that. I'm glad you're never going to ask me to do that. But you might walk into the kitchen tonight and go, oh, man, I just love serving people and putting food on tables and making everybody happy. And you might go, wow, that that could be me. You might see someone doing a job in community, serving somewhere, being a business person or a singer or, or whatever it might be, and you look at them and you go, oh, man, I'd like to do that. Well, maybe that's God stirring your heart, saying that's your potential. You have a potential to do that because it's already in your heart. Well, what are you going to do about it? What do you do about it? Well, you've got to pursue it. You've got to go after it. You've got to get the process going. Surrender. Sow into it and then stick it out. Yeah? All right. I think I'm done. Woo! So I want to pray for some people. Your potential, your God-given potential, your God-breathed potential. What if, what if you've had some visions that have fallen by the wayside, that haven't been fulfilled? What if God spoke in your life once upon a time and you thought, well, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going I'm to really give my life. And then a whole bunch of stuff happened. And you feel like a failure. You feel like you haven't fulfilled God's call on your life yet. You know that you can surrender again. It's never too late to surrender. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I humbly. That's the the words I was singing when I walked down the aisle to give my life to Jesus Christ. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I humbly give. I surrender. Maybe you've just got to surrender again. Maybe there's somebody here who's never fully surrendered to Christ in their life. Maybe tonight's the night you need to surrender. Maybe you just need to do it again. Maybe you've got some unreached potential, untapped. Maybe there's seeds still in your hand you haven't been willing to let go of. Maybe you're just like Elisha, going about your daily business, doing what you know how to do, and then God suddenly pops up in your world and goes, "Uh uh-huh, it could be different. How about following me? (laughs) I just want to tell you, tonight could be a, a night that transforms your life if you want it. You just got to be like Elisha. Bury the past. 
all right, I'm done with my past. I'm done with the stuff that hurt me. I'm done with the bad decisions I've made. I'm done with everything that's held me back. I surrender all to Jesus Christ tonight. I want to pray with you. Shake you, come and pray. If you want to surrender again, if you feel as though there's maybe a vision or a dream or a prophetic word perhaps that hasn't been fulfilled in your life and maybe you haven't partnered with God to see that come to life. Maybe you haven't surrendered. Maybe you haven't sown into Maybe you haven't sown into a local church. Maybe you've been too afraid. Maybe you've been too hurt. Maybe you've never stuck it out alongside a prophet or an apostle or a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist to wait until you got to the point where you could step out on your own and do what you're called to do. Maybe that's part of what you've got to do tonight. Maybe for those who are listening to this podcast later on, because it's going out to podcast now, thanks to the Snowden family and their efforts, Chrissy particularly. Maybe somebody who's listening, wherever they are, driving a car, sitting in their lounge room, sitting up in bed late at night, maybe you need to surrender again. I want to encourage you tonight that God has an amazing potential that's always greater than where you're at right now. Because God never takes you down. He always takes you up. He never takes you backwards. He always takes you forwards. So if you would like to surrender tonight, maybe for the first time, maybe for the second or third time, maybe it's surrendering to God's will like Jesus did when he was waiting in Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood because he knew what he had to go through. But you just say to God, God, not my will, but your will be done. I want to invite you to come and just stand at the front or if you feel more comfortable doing that, come and sit down in the front pew or something or just come and sit on the front here and just spend a few moments with God. And if you'd like us to pray with you, we will pray through and release whatever God needs to release into your life. Amen. So why don't you come, if that's in your heart to do it. And then we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.